time for us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat, let's change the way we live, and let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hey, this is Zach Yanska from Vigor Revolution. Fitness and nutrition for your greatest purpose. Hope everybody can see me and hear me. We're still learning all the tech set up here. It's been sounding okay, but we're trying to get the quality a little bit up. So as you come on, uh, shoot me some thumbs up if everything looks, I don't know, it's a little dark. I couldn't find uh, a cord to one of my lights, and rather than putting off the video, I said, well, it's not going to be the best thing I've ever done, but going back to yesterday's principle about consistency, I will have accomplished the goal today, which is to put out some training to help people start making some changes, especially with their diet. The topic I want to address today is uh, very personal to me. If you're anything like me, you've had behaviors that you ultimately find out are really holding you back. So in the context of this conversation, I'm going to open up for the first time a little bit about my past drinking behavior. Um, basically, the way that I have come to understand it, and this goes for a lot of behaviors, just about any problematic behavior really, it shares all these commonalities, which is helpful because then we can use the same tools to address everything. It's a little overwhelming if you have multiple behaviors like I used to have where you were drinking too much. You know, In my case, it was drinking too much, gambling too much, binge eating, um, and you know, over-consuming entertainment. Basically, any behavior that would instantly change my, uh, my mood and my mindset was one that I was open to abusing. Because as we all know, life does not get easier as you get older. There gets to become more challenging. And when the demands of adulthood are placed upon us, if we don't have the proper framework and we don't have the tools to cope with those challenges, then we will find ourselves misusing behaviors far too often in order to, um, some people call it sedation, like in the uh, Wake Up Warrior program. Other people you know, will call it numbing out or addictions. But we all have this tendency to use a behavior in order to instantly change our mood. So I wanted to cover this concept that I see pop up because I've used this, and that is this concept of sacrifice. When we first start trying to change it, we will come across these feelings and these thoughts about sacrifice. Like, oh man, I don't want to stop drinking. I kind of know I should or, you know, hey, I'm 30 pounds overweight. And probably, you know, the pizza and the ice creams and the lattes with all the sugar and fat, those are probably are not helping me. Ah, oh, geez, I got to sacrifice these in order to, you know, create something new. And this is actually backwards thinking. And this is something I've had to verify, like I said, through all the behaviors I mentioned, I've had to verify this in my own life. Because the reality is that the true sacrifice, I'm going to try to just diagram this real fast. So if I have a behavior, again, we'll take drinking. You know, this is time and this is how good I feel. We'll call this pleasure. Pleasure is usually kind of uh, referred to in the um, physical realm. So I'm going to take this a step further and go to happiness because happiness opens up the gateway to talk about pleasure in an entirely different way. It's pleasurable to eat ice cream. It's pleasurable to have wine. It's also pleasurable to play with your kids. And those 
pleasures are in no way comparable. And it goes back to the concept I was covering the other day of the triune brain, where we actually have three brains. The lizard brain, the mammalian brain, and the neocortex. The pleasures of the mammalian brain, the emotional brain, and the pleasures of the neocortex, the intellectual, thinking, rational brain, far outseed just these animalistic instincts of the reptilian brain to fight, eat, kill, fuck, all this stuff, okay? So we are going to really start to try to get from pleasure, from instant gratification. That's where we are right now, instant gratification. And we want to get to happiness, this feeling of being well, whole, integrated, on point. Hey, good morning, Gus. What's up, brother? If you can hear me, could you throw me a thumbs up? I want to make sure all my tech is right. So when we have, let's say this is our baseline. This is what we're capable of feeling most of the time. If this standard implies that my health and my relationships and my purpose that I'm meeting all these requirements. If I'm meeting all those requirements and you know when we go into health obviously we're going to we'd have to break it down into uh, sleep recovery, training, eating, all facets of health, just like all facets of relationships and then having that highest purpose. We can have a lot of things that um, are meaningful to us but having that purpose ingrained really clarifies this. So this is this baseline that I am at if all of these needs are being met. There's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you've ever seen that, that's pretty cool. I'll have to throw that up, talk about that. But he talks about, you know, down here at the base, we need to satisfy our survival first. Food, shelter, water. And then we start to get into emotional needs. And then finally, at this peak, we can, if these are being met, then we can really start to address our purpose. So this concept is all over the place from all the greatest thinkers in psychology, coaching, really dialing in purpose and getting everything in alignment to fulfill that purpose. So if that's all going great, then this is where we can be experiencing every day. Now, obviously, life is what it is. So as we're going through the day, you know, we'll probably start off down here. And we'll do some stuff and we'll feel really good. And then some challenges will be thrown our way. We'll have to deal with some shit. And we'll get down here and we'll back up. And, you know, we're always having these dips and valleys. When we interject a problematic behavior into this equation, though, what we're going to get initially is we get this experience that's like just way up here. Whoa, that was intense. That was amazing. If this becomes a dependency, though, it starts to reset our physiology, our brain chemistry, and our body. And then we start waking up down here. And now that same behavior that used to get us up here in the beginning is really only going to get us about right here. It's going to get us not even to our potential that we could be feeling on a daily basis if we didn't have that behavior. This is greatly illustrated in the use of caffeine. And this is why I'm working on abstaining from caffeine and resetting it and seeing if it's possible to moderate in my life or not. Because once I'm habituated to caffeine, 
once I peak right here during the day, then it's just going down and maybe using more. And then it's just a series where I am only at my best potential when I'm fully loaded with caffeine and it does not gonna, it's not gonna last very long. So that's where this problem comes in. We have to identify these behaviors because now this pleasurable behavior that I believe is actually getting me up here, which is really only getting me right here, is detracting from my happiness. It's draining me. It's preventing me from being effective, from being as loving as I can be, from being as productive as I can be, from being as satisfied and just that feeling of centeredness during the day. So, in order to get to this place, there is a process. There's many processes. They all use some of the same principles and they're just detailed in different ways. The process that's worst best for me is a process called SMART. And it starts by, it gives you these tools. One of the things that really struck home with me is identifying the problem that the problem is that we have come to believe that life, not is, but should, should what? Be easy. This is ultimately the downfall and the beginning of this illusion of sacrifice. Life should be easy. I should be able to wake up with great energy and not have to do anything. I should be able to have, uh, you know, orgasmic, pleasurable meals three times a day and just knock me out and make me space out. And that, that shouldn't have ramifications on my physical body. Or I should be able to drink alcohol or caffeine or all these other drugs. And it shouldn't have a, you know, a negative connotation, a negative total net effect. And I start to believe this, and it leads to these problem behaviors. It leads to me prioritizing comfort, numbing myself over the actions or work. Work sometimes triggers people the wrong way. So I have come and I use creation to supplement these two. I'm creating. To me, that sounds far more empowering. Work just for the sake of work is not going to get us anywhere. So SMART has these tools that breaks down how to actually start dealing with life in a way. And I'm not pushing SMART on anybody. Just to be 100% clear, I'm just talking about my process and my experience. Some people might have had issues in the past. What's up, Michael? Hey, brother. If you can hear me, could you uh, give me a thumbs up if everything's okay? I know the video quality sucks, so no thumbs up for bad video quality. Okay, so we have the SMART process, and this starts with the exercise called an HOV, a hierarchy of values. And this is contained basically in any sort of training program. I've done this through multiple individuals, multiple coaching sources. You have to identify what is most important in your life. Going back to that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we have to really start to hone in on this purpose and clarify it and practice it daily. And then we have to arrange our pillar underneath our survival and emotional needs to fulfill that rather than detract from it. Basic necessities, real food, recovery, real training, emotional needs through our relationships. Are they enhancing our purpose or are they detracting from our purpose? I know toxic relationship has become a fad in the 
word to use, but it's 100% true. If you don't want to call it that, call it something else. Whatever you want to call it, it's fine. But yes, there are relationships that ultimately drain us rather than fulfilling us. So this hierarchy of values lets me see what my most important things are to me, right? So I have my purpose up here. For me, this is basically freedom. I want to seek freedom in this lifetime. And then I have a mission down here to lead others. I didn't enjoy being obese. I didn't enjoy being dependent and addicted to several behaviors. There are others suffering in those same ways. So absolutely, I want to be a, a, um, I want to give a template for how to overcome this by using what has worked for other people. My sons, I have to model for them what I want them to be able to create. My wife and my community, I want to share all these experiences. This HOV is a takeaway that you can start doing right now. Write it out. If you're struggling with eating or whatever the behaviors you're struggling with, what you do is you write out your HOV. What's missing from this HOV? I had a banana. Oh, I don't know if that banana's good. Uh oh, we almost got a naked toddler bomb. Sorry. Let me see. I don't know. You want to try it? All right, you can try it. You might have to get new bananas later. All right, back to our normally scheduled podcast. Thanks, sweetheart. Right? So what's not on that list? If this, is my, if this is important to me, well, all these behaviors down here that I'm asking myself about, if they're good or bad, now I have a very clear lens to look at these. Does drinking enhance any of these efforts? Does it make me better? at my purpose or leading others or modeling for my sons or giving joy and love to my wife or establishing a healthy community that benefits everybody. Does drinking benefit that? No, absolutely not. Okay, caffeine. Caffeine's a little trickier because it's a drug of production. There, the illusion around this is that, like I showed earlier, that if this is our energy potential every day, once we are habituated to caffeine, we wake up and the caffeine highs are only getting us to where we could be if we didn't have caffeine in our bodies at all. Okay? So, I have my hierarchy of values. Now I can start filtering my behaviors through that and asking if it's enhancing my purpose. If the answer is no, then I'm starting to get some feedback as to things that I might want to change in order to create a different outcome. There's another tool called a cost-benefit analysis. The pros of using, the cons of using. Pros of not, cons of not. This is all in context of our question behavior. Should I be doing this for my HOV? Going through this every time that I have lapsed on some of these behaviors like drinking or caffeine or sugar use, which are the two most recent ones, are caffeine and sugar because I've been sober going on a year and a half. But what we can come and start to see here is that my list of benefits that I'm getting from these behaviors and the list of negative experiences I'm going to have from stopping are far less 
then all these identifiable behaviors that I start to discover when I actually go through this process rationally. So it's reinforcing what behaviors work and do not work in my life. My personal interaction with this tool has shown me that every time I go through it, I uncover new ideas and new ways that I see that these behaviors were draining me and ultimately not leading to my best life. There's one more tool I want to discuss today. And this is going to tie into our final, our overall theme of the sacrifice of, or sorry, the illusion of sacrifice. And the last tool is called an ABC, which looks at an activating event, event, belief, consequence, and it gives me an opportunity to look at this event, which is neither bad nor good, my beliefs are what's making it a plus or a minus. The same events in my past that I used to say were destroyed, you know, that were painful, are now giving me my purpose and now enhancing my life. So I look at this event and let's say, um, I don't know, somebody, somebody triggers me with something they say. I'm triggered by an insult. I come down here and I start going, looking at my beliefs. Oh, wait a minute. I have a belief of, you know, being inadequate. Not good enough for whatever reason. Or I might have more generalized belief. Life is that's a very powerful statement to fill that in is life ultimately a good experience where things are going to work out in the end or is life ultimately going to fall apart for most of my life i have believed that life was not going to end well so why the hell would i commit to doing things that i needed to do if i believed it wasn't going to work out in the end right i know beliefs get taught you know thrown around in different guruisms and coaching communities but it's completely true that these underlying grand ideas that we are operating from absolutely makes the meaning out of these neutral events. The most powerful one for me was I had a herniated disc in my L2, in my back, pardon me. All I ever wanted to do was pitch and play baseball. And I made it to junior college. My coaches thought I might have made it to D1. I wasn't that great. I think my fastball was only ever in the low to mid-80s, so it was not dominant by any means. I was probably at the end of my career anyways, but I had this herniated disc in my lower back. Completely shattered my world. All my purpose was, all I wanted to do, my whole ambition was wrapped up in being a better baseball player and trying to play collegiate and then trying to play professionally. So when I lost that purpose, that event, my beliefs around that event was basically that my life was shattered. Now, what's happened after the fact I learned to put myself back together. I started deadlifting properly. I started doing yoga, which led to me discovering um, some amazing minds in the movement and health field as well as strength field. I got overly strong for a while where I was too tight and restricted. I learned how to work through that. Now I have a combination of strength and athleticism at 39 that I never had in my 20s. Functionally and physically, I function better in every single way than I did in my teens and my 20s. And I had to learn all that by going through this experience. So this same event that I was always catastrophizing to be the end of you know, my life and the end of my meaning until I was you know, late in my 20s, or early 30s, it became 
this huge blessing for me because I grew and I learned all this stuff and now I can help others. And that's the consequence. That's the outcome. Is this, you know, decreasing the quality of my life or is it increasing the quality of my life? Any event can be interpreted in different ways. Hence the concept of revisionist history. So, tying all this together and bringing it back to the original topic of this illusion of sacrifice. In the beginning, when I get pleasure from a behavior, whether it's going on my phone too often, watching too much entertainment, drinking coffee when I'm starting to feel tired, drinking alcohol to relax, all these behaviors are serving the same function. It's to immediately change my mood and my mindset. And then when it's suggested to me that I go off of those, it's very threatening. And it feels like I'm not going to be able to do it. But what's really been happening this whole time, this is going to be my last little diagram here. We all have these levels of our potential that we haven't realized. Because this is always changing. The greatest people who have impacted our world reach a state that very few people get to by full dedication, by obsession. And they may have not even peaked either. It's, it's impossible to say. But most of us, myself included, are functioning somewhere down here. And why are we functioning down there? Because we have these behaviors that are capping our overall purpose, our overall effectiveness, our overall power that we're generating every single day and our strength. Imagine this. Let's say every time that you hit your, let's say this is your stress threshold, right? So you're going along through your day, everything's kind of getting stressful. Boom, when we hit this threshold, you know, kids are screaming, we're hungry, uh, we're pissed at our spouse. We're having a crisis in the family. We're having a financial problem. We hit this point. Then we want to go here to change the way that this feels. Because we know that this will numb some of those sensations. So we believe that we are going back to regular. But in reality, this point right here is our opportunity to start making our way towards our potential by navigating that problem differently. So I'm stressed. I reached my threshold. I'm about to break. I want to have the drink. You know, I want to have beer and pizza. But instead, I meditate or I use a tool or some other way of gaining insight. And it gets me past this and it starts to reset and it makes me move this way towards my potential. So when I think about giving this up, this really isn't a sacrifice. The real sacrifice is continuing to use these behaviors that prevent me from achieving this growth towards my potential. And the moments I'm triggered and most frustrated are the times when I can carve a new path for myself, where I can start breaking these behaviors that have held me back and start creating new behaviors that are going to enhance my efforts every single day. All right, so those are my takeaways. Like I said, this is what's kept me sober for 
quite a while now. I had about two and a half years. I went to Ireland. My story about starting to drink again was that there's no way to have a, a true trip to Ireland without fresh Guinness. That turned into what a lot of people do, which is, oh, just on these special occasions, which then turns into every you know Sunday or Saturday and so forth and so forth. And the same cycle has been repeated by me with relation to food, whether it's sugars, uh, particularly sugars and high glycemic foods like you know higher starches. Those are the ones that really trigger me and don't work with my metabolism. Caffeine has had the same effect. So the tools and the process is the exact same, even though the behavior is different. All the underlying principles apply. All the reasons we're trying to do it apply. So I hope this helps somebody else. This took me a long time to accept. You know, and there's days I still have to accept it. There's days I still want to just say, hey, you know, screw it. Let's go get a nitro cold brew or a great, you know, coffee. And then I won't feel this exhaustion. But having gone back and forth a dozen times, if not more by now, on that, I know where that eventually leads me. I can do what's called playing the tape forward and seeing that's ultimately going to drain me. So an offer I'm giving on all these training sessions for everybody that watches, whether you're listening on the podcast or watching on Facebook, contact me. I'm doing what's called a discovery call right now where we just simply talk about your routine and your results and then we can chart a path forward and you might do it on your own, you might want some coaching, whatever the case may be, there's solutions to get you to a higher level of energy every single day for your greatest purpose. So that's what I got for today. Go make a great one everybody and I will be back later today or tomorrow depending on the schedule. We'll see. Probably tomorrow. Peace. Go make a great day. to start making some changes let's change the way we eat let's change the way we live and let's change the way we treat each other you see the old way wasn't working so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive